Thanks, everybody, for joining us for another episode of the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is your host, Tyler Yonke. Today, we're doing a preview of the 2018 Tour de Suisse from June 9 to June 17th, total of nine stages at 1,215 kilometers. This is one week closer to the Tour de France than the Dauphiné Libre, which is going on, the Criterium du Dauphiné, which is going on right now. Uh, longer stages, more days than the, than the Dauphiné, and it's got 1,215 compared to 953. Uh, prologue in seven stages versus nine stages. Uh, the Tour de Suisse has two individual time trials, 18.3 kilometers stage one, 34.0 kilometers for stage nine, three mountain stages at the Tour de Suisse versus four at the Criterium du Daphne. Historical information about the Tour de Suisse, nine days race in Switzerland held in June, just like the uh, Criterium du Daphne, and it's known for a Tour de France prep race. This year, the Tour, Tour de Suisse is a UCI World Tour ranked race as well. The race was first held in 1933, and it doesn't appear to have been started by a newspaper as a way to promote circulation. As the race typically includes a time trial and climbing through the Swiss, French, Italian Alps, its list of winners includes several Tour de France champions and Tour de France contenders. Both Eddie Merckx in 74, Jan Ulrich in 2004 are past winners and Tour de France champions. Little known fact, Eddie Merckx was suspended twice for testing positive. All right, let's get back to this. Tour de France, and I appreciate you joining us today. We're going to give a nice little overview. And why is this race, uh, when you look through the start list, why is this race attracting the Tour de France hopefuls kind of in greater number than the Criterium du Daphne? These races, this one has been kind of off the radar for the last few years. The Criterium du Daphne has been a little bit more prestigious and perhaps the, the, the race of note. But this year, the, the, the Tour de France has been pushed back a whole entire week. This is due to the World Cup soccer and the Tour de France basically acquiescing to the world and wanting their soccer. So they've pushed the Tour to start back uh, a whole week, which the, some some um, pros are saying, hey, you know, I want to have my uh, racing accordingly and my prep uh, time just right. So they're deciding to do the Tour de Suisse instead of the Tour de France. I mean, sorry, the Criterium du Daphne. Um, some list of past notable winners for the Tour de Suisse. Gino Bartoli in 46 and 47, Eddie Merckx in 1974, Roger DeVlemick in 75, Sean Kelly, 83 to 90, uh, 83 and 90. So he had a nice seven-year span between wins there. Irz Zimmerman in 1984, Phil Anderson, 85 from Australia, Andy Hampton, two-time winner in 86 and 87, and the USA's Lance Armstrong in 2001, which has subsequently been stripped of. We got some other notables here. Fabian Cancellara in 2009, uh, Frank Schleck in 2010, Levi Leipheimer in 11, Rui Costa with three straight from 12 to 14, 2012 to 14. He's actually pulled out this year due to a knee problem. Uh, Simon Spielak, a team Katusha in 2015. He then won again last year in 2017. And Angel Lopez won in 2016. So as you can see uh, from the list of riders, there are more than just the pure climbing types like Andy Hampson and Lopez. Uh, you've got some other TT specialists and diesels like Jan Ulrich, Sean Kelly, and Cancellara. So the route has changed, and as they do, changes. And, and you've had these guys, Cancellara, you know, I mean, remember Cancellara coming in and winning it. You're just like, eh, is the climbing just not enough for this race? So we'll see. Um, we'll go over the route and kind of give a breakdown to see who is going to be the favorite for this type of race this year. All right, the route. 
This race starts in Thornfield, located in the northern portion of the country, just northeast of Zurich. Uh, after two days in Freundfeld, the race then starts a clockwise, counterclockwise, I'm sorry, trip, which heads towards France, both west and then south, hitting Gestad and Lukerbad, where the race then hits the meat of the climbing. Then they go from the south-central city of Fice uh, back to the north before whipping all the way back southwest portion in the final two stages in Bellazona. Uh, four to the nine stages start and finish in the same town, which gives the riders a nice little wonderful race for minimal transitions. Less transitions, the better, I'm sure. Okay, a brief overview. We've got two time trials, both significant in distance. Stage one with an 18.3 kilometer time trial. Stage nine at 34 uh, kilometers. You got three classy, lumpy type of days at stage two, three, and four. Stage four could be a sprint day, however. You got three mountain days, stages five, six, and seven. Five and seven both have summit finishes, where stage six, uh, the summit uh, is about 80K to the finish, and then they have kind of a descent, flat, and then a finishing kicker. Two pretty legitimate sprint days, stages four and eight. Stage four, once again, could be kind of dumped into that uh, classic sprint. Uh, classic type of day and and work the dump the sprinters stages all right stage one Freundfeld to Freundfeld so this one is a 18.3 kilometer time trial the first half is pretty rolling with an increase in elevation reaching the 490 meter part before descending and then finishing kind of flat the last nine kilometers so it's going to be a good power tt and you should see the time trial time trial specialist uh, showing what they have in this race uh, stage two, Freundfeld to Freundfeld again. They stay right in the same town, 155 kilometers. This one I'd categorize as kind of a classics day. Um, it's clockwise circuit race. There's four laps of just under 40K each uh, with the start finish in the town of Freundfeld. One good climb each lap of about four to uh, five, I'm sorry, five to 10 kilometer range and then multiple ups and downs in that same section as well. Should be kind of a good Peter Sagan, Greg Van Evermont, uh, Michael Matthews type of day. Stage three from Oberstamheim to Ginzen, uh, 182 kilometers, another classic type of day. As a matter of fact, this one is, is those three are named Sagan, Greg Van Avermaet, and Matthews is probably prime just for them. It's a point-to-point race this time. The head's due west, and they start with a circuit in the, just outside of the start town, and then they have the full-on race out, and then they come back and they end in the circuit as well. 120 kilometers in, the race hits the second circuit, at Genzingen, doing around three laps. The circuit has three climbs in succession where the first climb they hit three times, and then the last climb they they avoid by descending into it and finishing on the downhill. Like I said, predictions, you're going to see a classic type of rider unless the breakaway stays away. Stage four, Genzingen to Gestad, 189 kilometers. This one's right in the, the sprinter slash classics type of race. Um, the day's racing involves a trip just due south from the, from the small catarized kicker at 20 kilometers in and then gradually, gently rolling slight uphill until the 171.9 kilometer point where they climb to the 180 kilometer before descending into Gestad nine kilometers later. This could be a Mahoric type of day. It's also a day that could jettison those sprinters, but if not, if the final climb doesn't, then you're going to probably see uh, the sprint teams coming to the fore and uh, having at least them give a chance to this race. Stage 5, Gestad to Lukerbad, 156 kilometers, purely a mountain day. Um, the start and finish towns are quite close to each other. 
Uh, and if you would just take a slight ride to the east, southeast just to complete it. But instead, this stage starts and heads west into France and then south and then east to conclude the day's adventure that involves three categorized climbs with an HC sandwiched in between in the middle uh, and a summit finish to cap off the day. The first climb starts right out of the gate and the field crests the Col de Pouillon at 1,546 meters in height in elevation, just 15.7 kilometers into the day's racing. Flat from 38 kilometers to about 105, and then they start climbing the Montana Village um, HC climb, which then descends and begins a finishing climb to Kukubad, which is around 20K to go. Should be a GC day. Stage six. So you have three successive mountain days here, smacked right in the last uh, two-thirds of the race. Stage six, Fleisch to Gamenswald, 186 kilometers, Pier Mountain Day. Stage six heads back north, varying slightly east, heading to three cat climbs along the way. The first climb is uh, Furka Pass. The note there's an R in there, uh, which is an HC category climb, and it summits at the 39.5 kilometers in. Climb two is also an HC categorizing the, the KOM at 118.8 into the day. Then they have a downhill flat run in before finally hitting the final Cat three climb uh, in the last six kilometers. So while you the finishing isn't as bad as you would have on a mountain day, um, it, see how how much those riders have depleted themselves by hitting these two HC climbs in the first part. Should be GC, but there's a lot of space in the middle between the HC climb and to the finish. Stage seven, uh, Eichenbach at Smeneg to Arosa, 171 kilometers, another mountain day. Stage seven heads east and the first third of the day uh, before going due south to Arosa. The profile is lumpy, the first 60 kilometers with a Cat 3 climb around 25K in. And then from the 60 kilometer to the 140 kilometer point, the route is flat to slightly uphill, kind of a false flat look. But the racing gets really intense at the 140 kilometers where the final climb begins in earnest and the HC finish at uh, Rosa at, at 1,744. So you're looking at the last 30K is uphill, if not very uphill. Uh, obviously a GC day for the uh, overall. Stage 8, uh, eight 9, then just uh, start in Bellazona and finish in Bellazona. You have... Stage eight is 124 kilometers. It's a circuit race involving six laps of about a 20.6 kilometer loop from Bellazona with some profile changes each lap. Probably not enough to dump the sprinters. Uh, it could be a sprint day or it may be one where, depending on how the break goes and, and how much the climb starts to deplete them, that you could see it kind of on the classic side as well. But it should be a sprint finish, and the last uphill is far enough away from the finish to allow them to get back on as well. Final stage, uh, stage stage nine, Bellazona to Bellazona once again, 34 kilometers. They used the same route that they did the day before the circuit, except they just added additional portion on the end, about 15 kilometers. Um, so they will have seen the climb uh, all day the day before, and so the, the time trial shouldn't be um, something unusual for them. Obviously, they'd go out and recon it as well, but everyone's going to be able to have a chance basically to go over this. So the riders will have a good idea of the profile simply from riding six times a day before. I I'm hopefully that the race will be close enough coming into the final time trial uh, so that the last test is at least some interest to the viewer because it's not a super, uh, while there's a lot of climbing during the race, it's not what you'd see at the Daphne with the four big days of climbing. So it's a little bit less, yet more time 
more lengthy climbs uh, and more lengthy stages and time trials as well. Riders to watch. We'll just start right off with the, the two-time winner, defending champion as well, Simon Spielak of Katusha Alpeson. Two-time winner. I'm um, not sure what he's really been doing this year, but uh, he's you know had this race two times in the bag, so should be able to go fairly well for that as well. Richie Port, BMC Racing. You know he's a Tour de France contender this year. He's the only BMC leader for the Tour de France. Uh, his support is with Rohan Dennis. He could be a little tired from the Giro. And then TJ, who sh- should be well-rested, and he had a good result at the Tour of California as well. So there will at least be some good support for uh, Richie Port and BMC in this race. Um, didn't see much in the way of Mitchelton Scott. They had Jack Hag there. He might get an- another good shot from the Giro. Um, but it doesn't look like his team is too poised to you know, take on the GC. They have uh, Michael Albacini. He can go pretty well. So this, if it's a climbing it's not too brutal, he's one that could uh, actually be hanging in there. Wilco Kelderman, he had a good 2017 for Team Sunweb. His result fourth on that Grand Tour. He has support from Michael Matthews, who we should also have a chance on a few stages as well. Uh, Jakob Fogelsang, Astana. He's a 2017 defending uh, Daphne champion, but he's not go there to defend it. So, you know, obviously he decided to shift his goals this year as well. And with the Tour, so he's here at the uh, Tour de Suisse. Um, it will be interesting to see how he's going. You know, he was one that was actually up there in the, with uh, Aru last year in the Tour de France for at least the first week. And it looked like he might be able to uh, help s- assemble some sort of a charge, but that did not come to fruition. Uh, for Bahrain Merida, you have the Izagiri brothers. Uh, they've been going pretty good the early season. One a little better than the other, but um, you know they do support each other fairly well in the mountains, and they're probably trying to get into form here so that they can uh, help uh, Nibali in the Tour de France. Uh, some other contenders, Baca Molima of Trek Sigurfetto. He's had a few good chances at the Tour. Not last year so much. Uh, it would be interesting to see how he's going early this time. You have Nairo Quintana, Mikhail Linda, uh, Landa from Movistar. Alejandro Valverde was signed up for it, but it looks like he is now pulled out. Um, so that team uh, should still have a uh, strong potential for this race. Joe Dombrowski for Education First, Trepreneur uh, Draypack. He had a good showing it last year coming into this race. Um, I think he had a second uh, to Spielak on one of the stages. Um He's also come off the Giro, so he may be a little tired or he could be going okay. I'm not, it'll be interesting to see. Stephen Kreuzwick, a lot of NL Jumbo. Um, who knows what Stephen, you know, he had a good Giro a few years ago and then he tried to take on the tour and I think he's still developing in that stage. So we will we'll see where he's at and um, if, if he's able to pull anything off here. Sergio Hanau for Steam, Team Sky, looks like he's maybe the lone wolf there. Uh, of course, he will have a decent team, I'm sure, to support him. Rui Costa, three-time past winner. He would signed up for it. I just saw today he's withdrawn due to a knee injury. Uh, then some other notables, kind of the continental teams. Stefan Denefil, he had a stage win, I believe, at the Vuelta last year. Larry Warbass's team, teammate for Aqua Blue Sport. They haven't really had much of a chance this year. They've kind of been... Uh, dist for the Grand Tours. Well, they have been. So Larry Warboss looked like he was going fairly well in Liège and then uh, wrecked on a corner with before the, all the big stuff happened. So it'd be good to see him actually out on the road with his Stars and Stripes jersey for a few more weeks. 
Uh, Lillian Kelmajan, uh, Direct Energy, he had a really good 2017 Tour de France. He was off in the brakes a lot. He climbs decently if he's not trying to get off in the break. Um, it's kind of be interesting to see if, if he changes his mode to try to hang on a little bit better to get like a top 10 or if he still continues to uh, stage hunt. Damiano Canago, uh, Nipo Viv... Uh, Nipo, Vini, Fantini, Europa, Olivina, Nip. That's what they have there as their team name, which is a little ridiculous. And that's probably the only reason why. Longest team name, perhaps? A little more than education first. Uh, he's a quality star of the past, but unlikely to make any waves this year. So I only put him on there because I recognize his name and that name of the team is a little long, lengthy. Sprint riders to watch. We have uh, Michael Matthews, Peter Sagan, Greg Van Avermaet. Those are your, your, your two, three big ones. Um, Tim Wellens, Andre Greipel for pure sprinter. He's uh, Philippe Gilbert as kind of the classics. Fernando Gaviria, he and Christoph. So there's, I saw Greipel, Gaviria, and Christoph are kind of the three big sprinters that are here. And if Gaviria is anything like he was in the Tour of California, it won't be really close. Greipel needs to step it up, and Christoph looks like he probably might need to lose some weight. Uh, Set Van Mark, Philippe Jobert, Tim Wellens, uh, Peter Sagan, Michael Matthews. Those are all your classic style. Oh, I did see Ar- Arnold Demar, uh, Groupama, FDJ as a sprinter as well. So um, there's at least four decent sprinters here. Seeing them cr- um, getting up to speed for the Tour de France, it will be good to see. Uh, then you have some classics guys and then your GC guys. Okay, so I don't know if anybody's been paying attention to the uh, Daphne Criterium du Daphne, we had a stage first uh, bit. There's been basically starting to hit the mountains. They have two days left, uh, two days in the mountains already. Uh, tomorrow will be interesting because it goes to Rosaire, which is a stage of the Tour de France. I think it's stage 11 um, that they are basically mirroring tomorrow. So it's a little different, but they, I think they have the same final climb. So that'll be a little Tour de France preview. There's also some interesting parts about the tour that are going to be in there, which are that you're going to do a, I think it's a 60 mile stage of the tour and starts right off on a, on a climb. And then they are, and it might be that one as well. And then they are going to, or maybe it's a 60 kilometer race. Uh, and they're going to stage everyone at the start um, in a grid format according to their time on GC. So that will be really interesting. I don't know. The tour is doing some some little interesting innovations this year. And it'll be interesting to see if any of that pays off. All right. So what are some predictions for this race? Well, I think you're going to see probably a Sagan win, possibly a Michael Matthews. Uh, GC-wise, I'm looking for Richie Port. This is the same with the we're seeing with this with the Daphne, where you have... Some guys are trying, you know, they're trying to time this right. So some of them come in and they're, they're they're in need. I think you see that with Dan Martin. He's in need of some results. So he gets a stage win today and he's he's looking like he's starting to fly. Uh, but then you have some other ones, Roman Bardet, Nibali, where they're like, uh, might be too far out for the tour for me to really be flying right now. And they've understood that. So they've held back a little bit. At least this is my interpretation. This is the problem you also get with the Tour de Suisse of trying to make predictions. I mean, you just look at the names and you go, okay, Richie Port. You got some others here, Kreuzwick, um, you know, Anau, 
And these are guys that should be contending, but you don't know where they're at in their timing. So with the timing situation, that's it might be a little easier to pick on uh, your GC. I'm mean, sorry, your, your your sprinters and your classics type. So I'm look, expecting Gaviria because he's starting to get over some climbs to get a stage win here. I'm also looking for Sagan and Matthews to do well. And then maybe Wilco Kelderman, Richie Port and Spielak again for your top on the podium. All right, I hope you've enjoyed that. Uh, stay tuned for more episodes of the Between Two Wheels podcast. As always, you can uh, find us on any of the podcast subscription platforms. Go ahead and subscribe to that. Share the show if you'd like. And with that, enjoy the cycling.